1994, I cried out to the Lord and said, Lord, forgive me for stealing your glory. And after that point, God started using me, and God has used me to uh, share His love with many who have come to know the Lord because of my situation of having polio as a child. Welcome to this week's edition of First Person. I'm Wayne Shepherd. Our guest this week is Steve Sterling, the president and CEO of MAP International, providing medicine and promoting good health in poverty-stricken communities around the world. You'll meet Steve and hear his story in just a few moments. Glad you could be with us for First Person today. Our mission is to tell the stories of people who acknowledge Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and are spending their lives serving Him. You'll learn more about First Person at our website, firstpersoninterview.com. That's where today's interview will join a long list of others for you to listen to at your convenience. That's firstpersoninterview.com. And I hope you'll take a little time to visit our Facebook page where you can leave comments, facebook.com slash firstpersoninterview. The mission of MAP International is to advance the total health of people living in the world's poorest communities in the name of Christ. Today's guest, Steve Sterling, who heads this organization, was born in Korea And when he was stricken with polio at 15 months of age, his parents left him at an orphanage. We'll talk with Steve about that. But as we begin talking, Steve began with the mission of MAP. Well, MAP is a 60-year organization, nonprofit. It's a uh, Christian-based organization. It was founded by Dr. Ray Knighton in 1954. We're celebrating our 60th anniversary this year. And um, basically what MAP does is we get pharmaceutical products donated and these are antibiotics and analgesics to hypertension type of medicines. And we then uh, raise money to ship uh, products all over the world, working with other Christian, non-Christian organizations. We treat over um, 10 million people each year now since MAP was founded six years ago. And uh, we are able to uh, do this because of donations where people would donate money for us to ship product that the pharmaceutical companies uh, provide the product for free. We're in eight countries where we have staff on the ground and going from, uh, of course, U.S., but then the other eight countries are in uh, Ecuador, Bolivia, and then in West Africa, we're in Liberia, Ghana, and Ivory Coast. In East Africa, we're in uh, Uganda and Kenya, and then we have a small partnership uh, in Indonesia. And we're so thankful that we are able to provide life-saving medicines for people around the world that don't have access to these medicines. And because of uh, where God placed a map, we are able to provide these medicines uh, free of charge in many cases to people in need. Well, MAP has certainly grown through the years. I remember its days back in Chicago when Ray Knighton founded the organization here, and uh, it's grown. Why did you move out of Chicago? One of the things that we have in operations is that we ship containers of medicines. And uh, we relocated to Brunswick, Georgia in 1985 because of the location being where just one hour south of Savannah, Georgia, a large port, and one hour north of Jacksonville, Florida. And we ship 80% of our containers out of out of uh, Savannah, Georgia, and 20% out of Jacksonville, um, Florida. So it's a great location. And also uh, cost of being doing business in Brunswick is quite a bit lower than yeah. in uh, the Chicago area. And we try to keep our overhead very low so we could have most of the money going to the people that need it. 
Uh, Steve, your own story is remarkable, and I don't know you well, but I know enough from mutual friends that uh, I wanted you on the program today to tell it. So many of the stories we tell on this program in some way or another touch on the topic of adoption, and your story touches adoption as well. Yes, it does. And I was such a fortunate person and so blessed that I I was adopted twice, you know, once physically and then once spiritually by our Lord Jesus Christ. And those are both uh, very important. And uh, just to give you a little uh, story, I was uh, born in Seoul, Korea, and when I was one year old, I ended up getting polio. And the vaccination hadn't quite made it over to Korea then. And so my parents, my Korean parents, tried to take care of me as best as they could. And when I was five years old, my father uh, heard about an orphanage called Holt International Children's Services. And he uh, actually left me there, abandoned me there so that I could have a chance in life. Hmm. And I grew up there for five years. My sister and I, my biological sister, Mary Ellen, was also adopted with me. And my parents adopted six kids, four from uh, Holt and then two from uh, California. Uh, and then God bless them, one of their own at the end. So wonderful parents, uh, great uh, life to, uh, in Anchorage, Alaska, where I grew up. So I'm so thankful for adoption, international adoption, which uh, enabled me to come to America. And then my spiritual adoption uh, through our Lord Jesus Christ later on. Do you know anything more about your biological parents and what happened? Yes, I do. In fact, about 20 years ago, we went back to Korea and found them. And it was such a heartbreaking story, but also so thankful that God used the uh, challenges of me having polio for His glory. Um, I found my my father had my Korean father had passed away in the early 80s, but in 1991, uh, I found my Korean mother. I have two older sisters, and my younger brother is in Korea. Then I also found out uh, my father had remarried and had uh, three additional sons. I have three half-brothers, a stepmother, and my Korean mother is still living as well. She's uh, 82. And, in fact, we're, we're going, the whole family, our kids, adult, grown children, also going to Korea in October hmm. uh, to, so, so she can see our grown children uh, as adults. Yeah. Well, of course, we all know the ravages of polio in those days before the vaccine. How did it affect you as a child, and how does it affect you today? Well, it's I wouldn't uh, wish it on anybody because it's uh, such a uh, devastating disease because after the virus leaves you, uh, depending on how severe it is, it, you, you're paralyzed and my, you know, my legs and um, my back and whatnot. So I, when I was in Korea, um, I could not walk without leg braces and crutches. I literally had to crawl on my hands and feet mm. until my sponsor provided me with leg braces and crutches, then I could walk and go to school. But the biggest challenge, I think it was not the physical barriers, but the social barriers of people making fun of you, kids and adults making fun of you, calling you, you know, crippled kid and, and saying you deserve what you're going through because you or your parent had sinned and you're being punished by God. And we know that's not the case because when uh, disciples asked Jesus in John chapter 9, why was this man born blind? Did he or parents sin? And Jesus said, neither. Mm-hmm. But God allowed to happen for that his glory may shine in that person's life. And I feel, uh, and once, once I've accepted Christ as my Lord and Savior, I'm thankful for God allowing me to get polio because now I can be the voice of these children who don't have a voice 
uh, when they, with simple vaccination like polio vaccination or another kind of vaccination will prevent um, a long, long time of suffering. Mm-hmm. You know, the treatment of antibiotics uh, will prevent a leg being amputated because of it being infected. So you can do so much for little by prevention, and that's why I'm so passionate about at MAP because we are able to provide life-saving medicines uh, to to people around the world every year. That's amazing what you've been through, and now how God is using your own pain to uh, to accelerate you in this ministry, Steve. When did Christ become Lord and Savior to you? Yeah, I was a little bit slow in that. I, it was a two-step process. Um, when, when my son was about seven months old, uh, my wife and I, my wife accepted Jesus as her Lord and Savior. In 1987, I accepted Jesus as my Savior, but not my Lord. So it took seven years later at a Promise Keeper event in Indianapolis in 1994 that that I accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior because the pastor was speaking to an audience of 65,000 men, and he said, one of the worst sins in your life is your pride because your pride steals God's glory. And all of a sudden, instead of talking to 65,000 men, he's talking to me. And I started thinking to myself, why was that the only handicapped kid to be adopted out of uh, the old orphanage, going to a loving home, go to two top universities in the country, which my parents, by the way, could not afford to send me. Wonderful, and that was Cornell University and uh, Northwestern from the MBA. And then wonderful uh, wife, whom I never dated, by the way. She marries me. Uh, then I have two wonderful kids, healthy kids, great career, all of that. And I realized that I was taking credit for all of it instead of giving God the glory and stealing God's glory. And I, that night uh, in 1994, I cried out to the Lord and said, Lord, forgive me for stealing your glory. And after that point, God started using me for his glory. And then that's when I started to share my testimony with people and God has used me to uh, share his love with many people who have come to know the Lord because of my situation of having polio as a child. Steve, your story is bringing goosebumps to me. I was at that Promise Keeper meeting where you were saved. Um, 1994? In 1994. I was in the broadcast booth uh, doing, doing the wow. radio broadcast of the event. And isn't it something that uh, the Lord reached out at that event and brought you to himself. I, I, that just is exciting to me to think that we were so close there. <laughs> in that, so that, was a, that was just uh, God opened my eyes, and he just said, Steve, you know, and thankfully he's so patient, waiting for me all those years. Yeah. And he, he's, you know, so stubborn as I am and whatnot. He's so patient, and uh, I'm so grateful that we have a faithful Lord that chooses to use uh, people like me to do his work, which I'm very thankful for. We'll continue getting to know Steve Sterling of MAP International coming up on the second half of today's program. This program is produced each week with the support of the Far East Broadcasting Company, proclaiming Christ to the world by radio. If you would like to know more about the new radio program, FEBC Today with Ed Cannon, please visit FirstPersonInterview.com and follow the links to FEBC Today. Every day, Ed and I bring you stories of lives changed by the gospel through FEBC. Learn more about FEBC Today at FirstPersonInterview.com. My guest on First Person today is Steve Sterling. Steve is president and CEO of MAP International. 
And we talked about MAP earlier, and we'll talk some more about it in just a moment. Steve, your resume, as I looked you up on the Internet to prepare for our conversation, what an incredible resume you've had. You mentioned going to Cornell and then to Northwestern for your MBA, but after that, God led you into some pretty unique opportunities. It surely did. It was, you know, the guy was just providing just a wonderful experience for me. I started working on the Tylenol business, and in fact, if you recall, for the cyanide Tylenol poisoning, then I was in sales training at the time in San Francisco, came back to Fort Washington, Pennsylvania, was involved with providing temper, evident packaging. Obviously, Tylenol came back stronger than ever. Uh, also helped launch Advil, uh, ibuprofen in New York City, hmm. been in the city for about a year. And then God used uh, uh, us in Evansville, Indiana, with Bristol-Myers Squibb, helped launch uh, uh, Boost Nutritional Drink, and then later on, um, that, that is international now, and uh, then went to uh, Conagra Foods, uh, helped launch Cultural Probiotic. Uh, you can get that anywhere now, Probiotic for Healthy uh, Digestive. Mm-hmm. And, uh, after that, it went to... Uh, uh, to uh, um, work for um, Ameritrade, and that's where God uh, used me to bring me to a nonprofit. And uh, that's an interesting way how God makes things happen. If you recall, 15 years ago when the Nasdaq hit 5,000, we're back to 5,000 again. It, it sunk by half, and that's where the Ameritrade decided they didn't need three VPs. So I, I was actually let go, lost my job, and God used that time for such a wonderful time to be searching for what he wanted me to do. And the founder of Holt uh, International Children's Services, Bertha Holt, had passed away. And so I was on the board for nine years. And I went to a funeral, which actually was more of a life celebration in in uh, Ilsan, Korea. And there I met one of my childhood friends. His name is Song. And he has severe cerebral palsy. And he was smiling at me. So I thought, surely he must be my friend. So... My wife was translating for me, Suki was. And so I said, Song, do you remember me? He said, yes, I remember you. And I said, what do you remember me about? He goes, well, you used to beat me up every time. Every day I used to beat, you know, beat him up. And I felt really bad because I'm pretty strong, upper body, um, uh, because I'm having used crutches all the time, pretty strong. And I felt bad. I said, Song, would you forgive me for um, abusing you when I was growing up? And he looked at me right in the eyes and said, myung I forgave you a long time ago because Jesus Christ forgave me of my sins. Oh, boy. And when he said that, I just was speechless. Here's a man trapped in his own body. He'll never leave the orphanage. He'll never know the joys of being married, having wonderful kids, and, uh, you know, home, all the things we think of having a blessed life. He would never know that, but he's joyful Hmm. because he has Jesus Christ in his heart. That's what God used to uh, say to me, Steve. Uh, and I, I really prayed to the Lord, Lord, what do you want me to do with my life? And that's where he brought to me, uh, where, uh, and then I found out the whole was started because of the founder of World Vision, Bob Pierce, helped start Holt. And then I looked into World Vision, and I thought, well, I can help there. And after many interviews, they hired me, uh, World Vision did, as VP of Marketing Operations. Uh, and that's where I started working for nonprofit in 2000. How did you know, Steve, that God wanted you to make that transition? Was it a clear call? Was it a um, a, a, a gradual transition? You know, it. Um, one other thing I did during the time of uh, four months when I didn't have a job was I took Henry Blackaby's course in experiencing God, and it says, you know, God says through Henry Blackaby, see where God's working and join Him right. now. Yep. 
And our plan was actually to retire early, and I thought I would go and volunteer for Hull. That was our plan. So I was going to work till I was about 55 and retire early. But God had another plan because during that time, I also was uh, consulting for a small Christian university called Grace University in Omaha, Nebraska, Dr. Jim Ekman. And, uh, and while I was doing their branding and their marketing for them, uh, every week there's chapel. And I came back uh, from the interview uh, with World Vision, and I went to chapel uh, that Wednesday, and the chapel verse says John four thirty five, and it said, "Open your eyes." And what that verse says was Jesus was talking to his disciples, and he said, "You say another four more months, then the harvest. I tell you the truth, open your eyes. The field is ripe for harvest now." So what he was telling me was, "Don't wait for another four more months. Do it now. The field is ripe for harvest now." And ironically, the day after I came back from World Vision's offer. I was working with another headhunter, and they uh, had interviewed with uh, to be a VP general manager of Hallmark, uh, which is another wonderful brand uh, in Kansas City. And they offered me the job day after the World Vision job came through. <laughs> and I knew we Suki and I talked about it because had I received the Hallmark job before I got the World Vision job offer, I would probably have gone to Hallmark. Mm-hmm. A sense of timing was such that World Vision came first. Hallmark came the day after, and it was nothing wrong with them. Hallmark's a great brand. Of course. Uh, but it, it just said in John 4, 35, don't say another four more months. Do it now. And I'm thankful I did it now because, you know, I'm, I'm, polio is, it takes a toll on your body because I use my shoulders a lot for walking. And, you know, now it's a little bit more challenging for me to go in and out of high vents to go visit field projects. And I was in... Um, uh, Uganda last in the February. I'm going to uh, Ivory Coast and Ghana in June with MAP. And these projects are not not the easiest place to get into. You got to get into no. these high standing SUVs, and you have to pull yourself in and out of those uh, vehicles. And uh, you, you got to do it while you're relatively strong. You can't do it when you're 65 years old and I need uh, you know help getting in and out of uh, vehicles. So I'm glad I, did. I went out there. 15 years ago to do this work. Uh, uh, I'm so thankful that God uh, is using me to do his uh, work as a part of this great body of Christ. Your story is such an inspiration to us, Steve. I want to spend the last few minutes we have talking about MAP International, all this uh, medical care that you give in so many places. Tell me some stories of the difference that MAP is making for Christ. Oh, that's what Many, you know, we the most recent is this Ebola situation, as you are we're all aware of. Uh, it actually started uh, well over a year ago in March of last year when the first case of Ebola uh, was detected in Liberia. And fortunately, we have staff of eight people on the ground in Liberia, and we had uh, uh, God had entrusted us with 27,000 personal protective equipment suits from the U.S. that government had given to us seven years ago. So literally we were storing 27,000 PPEs in our temperature-controlled environment for seven years. When we heard about this Ebola outbreak in March of last year, we started shipping uh, the units to hospitals, to healthcare workers, people that were on the ground uh, fighting against Ebola. And then by last fall, obviously, it was full-blown news everywhere, uh, every single day. But uh, MAP was one of the first ones to be on the ground helping with the Ebola outbreak, and in fact, uh, 
we're presenting a paper next week uh, about the our effect of being underground so quickly and working with the people because we are have, we have people there so they know the culture and so we work with them and one of the things as an example uh, that the, the culture said that when you die you bathe the your loved ones child or mother. Uh, but you bathe them, well, you can't bathe them with, with your open hands because you might contract Ebola. Mm-hmm. But so we provide them with the protective, uh, you know, with gloves and whatnot, so they can still do that and not without getting uh, impacted by, potentially impacted by Ebola. So there are some uh, positive stories. And we're also helping to rebuild the uh, people that are in uh, Liberia with uh, the survivors are now going and teaching people and, and try to give them some way of making a living so they have to survive. So that's an example of how we help against the Ebola outbreak in West Africa. The other stories, you know, the typhoon Haiyan in uh, uh, in Philippines a year and a half ago. We also are involved with the cyclone uh, Pam in Vanuatu, mm-hmm. uh, with sending emergency medicines. Because uh, anytime you have an emergency uh, disaster, there's always a medicine component. So we have a warehouse in uh, Brunswick filled with medicines and medical supplies ready to ship it. And uh, when a disaster happens, we'll start shipping it before we don't, we don't even have the money to ship it, but knowing that God will provide. So that's why we have to replenish our funds to ship those products right away. And the one um, personal story is that during my travels, I met a, uh, a woman, a young woman uh, in Cambodia, and she had an artificial leg clear up to her thigh. And because I had crutches, she opened it up to me, and, and so we're talking about what happened. And she said when she was 12 years old, she was playing outside. She steps on a nail. Her foot gets infected. And in most of our, in our uh, culture, we just go to the doctor, get a tetanus shot, get some antibiotics, and you're fine. You're up and where in Cambodia, she, her family didn't have money to send her a doctor. So they put some uh, herbal treatment ointments on her uh, foot. When that would get better, but to make a long story short, her leg got uh, gangrene set in, and they had to amputate her leg at the thigh. And she was, she said, she was so ashamed of not being a whole person. She did not come out of her house for a year. And a simple course of antibiotics would have prevented that from happening. And that's why I'm so passionate about what does is that we provide antibiotics for preventing diarrhea, um, um, antibiotics for diarrhea, you know, bacterial diarrhea. And kids will die. There's there 17,000 children under the age of five that die every single day from preventable causes. Uh, things like diarrhea, that's the most common killer of babies. And antibiotics will prevent that. We have these antibiotics. We have them right now in our warehouse. All we have to do is raise money to ship it. $10 will ship $600 of medicines because we get the medicines for free. We did have to purchase maybe a million dollars of medicines that we don't have when our customers wanted, but most of it, we have it sitting on a warehouse ready to ship it. So that's, that's why I'm so passionate about the ministry at MAP, because these people need the medicines. They don't have access to these life-saving medicines, and uh, the, your listeners can provide $10 a month will actually ship $600 of life-saving medicines every single month. Steve Sterling, the president and CEO of MAP International. If you'd like to learn more about what MAP is doing to provide medicine and good health to many around the world, visit our website, firstpersoninterview.com. You'll find additional information about MAP when you follow the links at firstpersoninterview.com. And we're happy to announce that our new iPhone, iPad, smartphone app for First Person is now available in the App Store. 
Download this free app today and listen to any first-person program at your convenience. And then if you'd like to leave a comment about today's interview or any past program you've heard, please come join us on Facebook. We're easily found at facebook.com slash firstpersoninterview. Next week, our guest will be author and filmmaker Bill Myers. We'll talk with Bill about his book, The Jesus Experience. Now with thanks to the Far East Broadcasting Company for their partnership, and with thanks to my friend and producer Joe Carlson, I'm Wayne Shepard. Thanks for listening. Join us next time for First Person. First Person.